mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. And we're here to tell their stories. Here's your host, Andrew Lawrence. Not all of us look the way the world expects us to look, think as the world expects us to think, or arrive at our destination the way the world expects us to. On the Square Peg Podcast, we give a voice to mold breakers, trailblazers, and takers of roads less traveled. I'm your host, Andrew Lawrence, and here are their stories. Thank you to the Searchlight Needles for getting us started as always. The hashtag needles aren't just a quartet of middle-aged, overweight, and balding El Pasoans. Robert Martinez, Josh Smith, Adrian Ortiz, and David Sines are four really fantastic guys who hold down jobs and take care of families during the week, and they rock out on the weekends. You can find them on the web at www.searchlightneedles.com, on Facebook, and you can download their album on all streaming services. And now, here's a message from one of the sponsors who make this program possible. Lorenzo's Italian Restaurant has been a part of the Las Cruces community for over 25 years, supporting schools, shelters, and veterans. Even during COVID times, Lorenzo's is offering patio tent dining, delivery, curbside pickup, chow now online, and mobile app ordering. Now offering customers any signature or two-topping pizza for only $15. There's only one Lorenzo's in town. And it's at 1753 East University in Pan Am Plaza. You can call 575-521-3505. And ladies and gentlemen, just a little bit of ad lib here. If you've never had a Lorenzo's Meatball, you've never had a Lorenzo's Meatball. By the way, dip their bread in some of the oil with a little bit of salt, a little bit of Parmesan. You will not be disappointed, I guarantee you. My guest today is a native of Santa Fe, New Mexico. Uh, she's an artist in more ways than one. She's an actress and a musician, and she's been known to MC an event from time to time. Uh, to most of us, my guest will be known as uh, Lynette Labruqueña. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my guest today is Lauren Poole. Lauren, welcome to the show. Hello. I am so glad to have you on. You were the first person I thought of when I was planning season two. I was cruising youtube and cruising your facebook page and just geeking out on all your videos and i thought to myself wonder if i could get her on the show yeah i'll talk to anybody no, I'm just <laughs> make me feel good why don't you <laughs> no no i was i was really i get i was excited to be invited this is a this is a cool podcast well i appreciate that i know you said you listened to an episode and um it, it's kind of hard sometimes to remember that because this is a podcast and not some sort of local radio show that we extend obviously beyond our local market. But I do tend uh, for a lot of reasons to keep things kind of local here to New Mexico. Um, and even though you're from the other part of New Mexico that we won't, you know, we won't hold that against you, but um, yeah, no, no thank we're, you. we're, we're so, I mean, it's, it's awesome to, you know, to have you on and um, you know, you, it's not like you have, you know, because of what you do being an artist and a performer, you don't have a nine to five, obviously, where you're going to, uh, I don't imagine where you're going to an office every day or you may, you know, at certain points, but um, obviously we're, we're recording and we're airing in a, in an age of a global pandemic that can be very dangerous and deadly for some people. We've all, all had to kind of, you know, alter how we do things. What's, what's it been like for you? Um, I would imagine you're not touring. Um, I don't know about recording. I would imagine there's some writing going on. What, what's going on in the life of Lauren Poole uh, during the COVID pandemic? Um, I'm, I'm so lucky to have a, you know, a, a, a house that I feel safe and warm in and, um, you know, like food. I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I feel really, really lucky. 
during this time that I'm not I'm struggling the way that a lot of other folks are. Um, and, but but nonetheless, you know, it's weird. It's it's. Can I cuss? You can cuss, yes. <laughs> by, by all means, it's be my guest. Weird. I, I mean, like it's it's. Uh, yeah, like I I I struggle with routine and, and organization anyway. And yeah. during this time, uh, I'm happy and I'm doing a lot of projects, but I'm also chomping at the bit to hang out with people and to be in social spaces and to jam with my band. But yeah, like the drummer in our band, she works at a hospital. So, you know, we only get together in bursts when she's taken like vacations from work, basically. So in the last 10 months or what, it's almost been a year now of living like this, you know, that's been twice. Um, but yeah, and then I've been making some Lynette videos um, for hippie shit, like <laughs> how many green people, energy and stuff. And um, how many people do you yeah. need to do something like that? Um, like well, you and I a- learned how to do them just by myself. Usually, my friend Chris, who like since the very beginning, my friend Chris Walsh, who I, I was in Blackout Theater with when when the first like couple Lynette videos came out, and he's always like shot and edited them from the start, with the exception of the state fair stuff which was like a professional ad firm but like um you know usually you want to have like someone doing the camera and someone holding like a microphone um and that's pretty much all we use um but yeah during this pandemic i've had to do stuff where i was like okay well i'm just gonna have to learn how to edit (laughs) so it's been cool to be forced to learn some skills so i could shoot and video um, edit videos myself well, you know, in, in a perfect world, of course, we wouldn't have pandemics. But, I mean, if this was the kind of thing where you knew you were going to have to take a year or more off from your normal stuff and, and interacting with people, it's almost like you could shoot a bunch of stuff. And, you know, given we can you can do probably a lot of your, your editing and, and producing, you know, remotely, that you could you could okay. just shoot a bunch of stuff and, and get a whole bunch of files and a whole bunch of uh, of stuff down and then spend the next year working by yourself or or telecommuting and, and, and cutting it up and editing it. But, you know, I guess that's not really how things go. Did you have stuff that you needed to get done that you maybe knocked out in the first day and a, day and a half and then had, you know, 363 and a half days to, to fill afterwards? <laughs> Well, I mean, when the pandemic started, I was, I was like, my bag was packed to go on tour with my band. Oh, wow. And my boy, and my boyfriend was visiting from LA. He's from here, but you know, he lives, he's an actor. And, um, and so he was going to be visiting for 11 days and I was going to leave in like seven days to go on a three tour. I did not leave and go back to LA and I didn't go on tour. Um, and like, and, uh, yeah. And so, I mean, like, and so the, the, I actually started picking up more paying video work during the pandemic, which is, I feel fortunate. It's like that. And actually, like I usually haven't, I haven't I haven't produced a whole lot of Lynette content because one one I don't want to burn people out on her, which now that is one of my concerns. Been like I did a union commercial and um, what you guys not see because it's just local to Albuquerque and then a bunch of like bunch more videos. But I also don't want to you know pimper out. I don't want to tap it out and have it not be funny anymore. So yeah, well, I, I mean, know. it looks to me like you you had taken a break just based on your Facebook page. Um, you hadn't uploaded anything since last summer, but, um, 
So you, so maybe you kind of lucked out. I guess you said your boyfriend never went back to L.A. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he, uh, he he went back to kind of like Lucens and made sure his roommate was good, and he was leaving my guy, and then he officially moved home in uh, August. Because yeah, I mean, even if, if you're an actor, you're like, you, no one's going into rooms to audition. You're you're all doing it on your computer now. So he can go out there if he needs to, but um, yeah, Sorry, I feel all scatterbrained. I hope I'm answering your questions. <laughs> okay, so uh, Lauren, uh, let's kind of start. You're you're from Santa Fe, and um, you grew up there uh, with a bunch of siblings, if I'm not mistaken. No siblings. No siblings. <laughs> oh, I don't know where I, I don't know where I got that from. But it, it is my understanding, though, that you discovered at a relatively young age that you have this ability to to, um, to imitate people, and that's kind of how you got started on doing characters. Yeah, my mom and dad watched a lot of Saturday Night Live, and and so I did too. And and um, like Comedy Central and MTV were just constantly on in our house. So, um, and my mom is a really shy person, but she was really encouraging of me to mimic people. Like, um, <laughs> we went to Texas cause my mom's family's from Texas and I was like five. I actually, this is one of my earlier memories. I was sitting next to like a third cousin or somebody named, uh, his name was Billy Ray. And he was one of those people that knows how to talk to kids. You know, like when you're a kid, you're like, that's the fun adult. I'm going to hang out with them. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and he, I just remember he had big old fingers, like the size of ballpark Franks. I mean, when I was a kid, <laughs> they looked huge. But like, I mean, they probably are just regular big man's hands now. But his, we were sitting together and his wife turned around and she was like, Billy Ray, you want some pie? And I just... <laughs> like didn't my brain I just had to mimic that as soon as I heard it I was like Billy Ray you want some pie and all the grown-ups in the room just stopped talking turned around and looked at me and they laughed and yeah. I and like getting that attention I was like oh I did something cool did you know what you had <laughs> like, done I mean what did it did was it obvious that that's what got the reaction yeah okay so you started yeah. imitating a bunch of other family members now, right? Yeah. Well, my mom, you know, if we would hear something on TV, like, or, you know, when I was in high school, she'd be like, do Bart. Like, she would make me do Bjork impressions. Um, I haven't. Like, so you, you need to record some of those. Yeah. And, like, uh, and uh, just, you know, Arnold and whatever, and accents. Like, we, we, we um, I'm really lucky because I wasn't, well, I was an only child growing up. I have a half-sister but we weren't raised together. We were pen pals and she's a really cool person, but you know, we didn't grow up together. And every time I said I wanted a brother or sister, my mom and my mom was like, well, uh, we don't want to pay for a brother. <laughs> we get to go on vacation. We would go two weeks a year somewhere. We would drive through the South or, you know, and then when I got further on into, um, elementary school we went to europe with my grandma and my aunt and it was funny because we were like a family but we were staying in youth hostels with like college kids oh wow and so there was a lot of people to mimic on those trips mommy what's that smell what are they smoking Uh were were you staying in youth hostels with college kids i would imagine you were exposed to some things that your parents maybe not have uh wanted you to be exposed to i mean my grandma was there too there i mean the it was pretty 
uh, I feel like we were the only families around, but it, we would get in late at night and go to bed in our own private room. Okay. And, you know, and then, like, I, didn't, I don't remember seeing anything sketchy, actually. Well, you know, you, as I mentioned in your intro, you, you, uh, you don't just do impressions, you don't just act, you're also a, a musician, but you had an experience uh, when you were a, a teenager that really kind of uh, exposed you to art, um, probably not in the form that you perform it, but it sounds to me like a really interesting and kind of life-altering uh, experience. Talk about your trip to Bali. Yeah, um, there's this couple in Santa Fe that's retired now, and they do this thing called um, the Bali Arts Project, and they try to grab high school kids. And what's really cool now is that I think they, they primarily focus on Native students. Um, but when I was doing it, I went to Santa Fe High, and that's where they were getting most of the kids for the project was at Santa Fe High. And they would try to get a group of kids together that weren't – I mean, they weren't going to be like, you're a rich kid, you can't come. But, like, they were primarily trying to get kids that would never um, have this opportunity. These people had spent the 70s and 80s doing, like, importing and traveling all over the world, Egypt, you know, crazy places that were much harder to travel in, you know, before Google Maps and the way we can travel now. Um, and they wanted to make sure that young, younger kid or a new generation would, would feel like, they want to teach you how to travel and not be a tourist and encourage you to have a hunger to see cool places. And so they wanted to take us to a place that was safe, but also really, really different from anything that we'd ever seen. So that Bali was the place and they would take a, they took a group of students for a month in the summertime and you took like painting and dance. And um, I was really lucky to go on that trip because they pay for everything. You know, you just had to bring enough money for like lunches. Yeah, and like you know, I I, t I I was a lifeguard, so I saved all my money and I bought all my Christmas presents over there for like a year. But <laughs> like, um, for pennies on the dollar, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I like looking at my. I've looked back at high school diary entries, and it's weird to see before that trip and after that trip. I don't know. I just think uh, that's the one thing that I think that like really can't be underestimated and I mean it's obviously not everybody grows up I, I didn't realize until I got to college like holy shit I was so lucky that I had parents that even though we weren't taking um ritzy vacations like we were staying in hostels it was important to them to take me to places uh, like to, to to be somewhere different Right. Well, when people can be removed from the context of their surroundings, I didn't realize how much you can. It's just good for your spirit. Well, you know, when you're, I'm like in elementary school, I was like a, a nerdy kid with wireframe glasses. I was I wasn't cool, but I, I think I was also like I cut I like made jokes to for people to like me. Right. <laughs> that was like how I, you know, didn't get bullied or whatever. Um, but also if you like when you're a kid and any kid anywhere, you have your own stuff that you don't like about yourself or where you're from, especially in junior high and high school. And I think travel is so good for that stuff because it really removes you from the context and it's easier to see like, you know, in, in, when you're on a trip, you're not a nerd or you're not this kid that did this in elementary school and you right. see yourself outside of the context of where you've grown up. And I think that's really character building or yeah. can be. 
How would you say? Um, how would you say this trip uh, helped develop your creativity and your art? Well, I felt really lucky to go, and I saw things that I'd never seen. So it was just really inspiring. I mean, I saw like we saw a cremation ceremony, but that was the first time because they made us take music classes with um we would play. It was like a it was like a xylophone made out of bamboo. Oh wow! And man, everybody, everybody hated going to the music and dance classes because Balinese dance is hard. I mean, if you Google it, it's the stuff that these kids like. We would see little two and three year olds learning these. Like, is really cool. You're holding your body in these really intense, like hyper extended positions. And so, like you know, we were just a bunch of high school kids that were like, I don't know how to do this. So it was sort of like a chore, but we were still nice and went to the classes and tried our best and just got our asses kicked because it was hard. But the music class, me and this other girl, Laura, I, I don't know. I just never thought I had a musical aptitude, but that was something I ended up. I didn't think I would like, and I ended up really liking it and catching on to things faster than I thought I would. And was that and your? Was that your first introduction? I mean, were you a musician before this, or was that that was that what got uh, it started? I tried to play flute in the in the elementary school band. <laughs> and if I'm not good at something, I'm just right away. I'm just sort of like, mm, that's, no, I don't, I'll just do a different sport instead. Um, so I, I had a flute in elementary school, and but my mom, I, I was doing like volleyball and all kinds of other extracurricular activities that were more fun. So that sort of didn't go anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, I liked going to concerts and stuff. And then I didn't start playing the bass till I was 30. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, did you play anything before they do anything in your twenties? Were you, were you doing any of that or was that beginning the playing the bass? Just, yeah. Like I realized in college that like, uh, I, I was afraid to sing in front of people. I wasn't afraid to do burlesque. I wasn't afraid to fall down in front of people (laughs) or make like a fool of myself, but I was afraid to sing in front of people. So you're a bit of a Chevy Chase like, falling down in front of people. Huh? A bit of a Chevy Chase falling down in front of people. Do you remember that? Yeah. In the seventies, he <laughs> I would. I was Im- thinking more like Lu- Lucille Ball, but yeah, okay. yeah, he's great. No, I like I like the Lucille Ball reference. That's classic. Um, so you start playing bass, and now tell now. I guess I'll go back. You studied theater at UNM. Is this correct? Yeah. And were you involved in theatrical productions before that? Yeah, like in high school, I was. Uh, we had a cool, we had a really cool, solid theater department at Santa Fe High, and so I I got into that at Santa Fe High. More, more. I didn't really do it when I was a kid, but in high school, I got really into it. Um, and then, yeah, I remember my senior year of high school, <clears throat> I had to come home from a state swim meet and then go do a play. Like, I was nuts in high school. I was such a like involved in everything, kid. Uh, I was a jock, yeah, but then I was, like, getting into theater, you know, and, um, and yeah, was, so I, like... Was this any any of this, like, comedic theater, or is that something that you got into later? Oh, no, it was, I mean, God bless him, Joey Chavez, he's still teaching in Santa Fe, but he would write these original pieces so that, he would write original pieces so that more people could have parts. Right. Like, so they were they were very, like... I am like, they're very artsy, like in some like spoken word stuff, but they weren't, it wasn't Shakespeare, you know, it wasn't classical. They, I think we did the, the, the plays that we did at Santa Fe High were pretty like, um, we would do 
you know, traditional plays, but they were more from like the 60s and on. So it wasn't your typical, like when I was in high school, I remember our theater program did like, you know, Our Town and Arsenic and Old Lace and and, and productions like that. Was it not classic stuff like that? I didn't see that that until college. Yeah, like uh, Joey, he grew up in Santa Fe and him and his wife were working actors in L.A. and New York and they moved home to Santa Fe to like start a family. So he was like a very cool guy, you know, who was like had had worked and in film and television, you know, so we felt like we were the shit learning from him, you know, but we were also just doing more contemporary stuff, I guess. Yeah. Well, Um, so your band pronounced prism bitch, correct? Yep. But spelled (laughs) prism B itch. Uh, Talk us up. How how did that name come up? And one of the things I'm really interested in is um, I can't nail down your, who you sound like or what your sound is. Um, I'm, it's just, it's hard to nail down. And I've, I mean, I've listened to most of your library and I've watched a lot of your videos and what I get is a little bit of like a white stripes and black keys sort of thing, but talk about the title and you know what, who you guys are and, and what your influences are. Yeah. So, um, Chris that I was talking about earlier that made all the Lynette videos, he's in the band too. And, um, so I've actually like anything that I feel like I've made that I'm really proud of since college like Chris has been a collaborator with me I like to call him my work husband but um (laughs) but uh yeah like we that was the thing too is that like that band sprung up out of a it was supposed I didn't have the balls to be a musician you know I had seen some really cool there's a theater festival here in Albuquerque that you know this pandemic just gutted and I really hope it can come back with this uh, Revolution Theater Festival, they were bringing stuff here from, like, you know, stuff you would only see at fringe festivals in, like, Australia or, like, Bulgaria or Colombia. Really, really interesting and kind of avant-garde, but really well done, you know, stuff from all over the world. Not just, you know, avant-garde pieces where you watch someone just trying to be weird, like, really skillful, cool stuff. <laughs> and um, I had seen them a couple of plays where, they, um, there was like a few plays I had seen where this one from Australia, these Australian clowns, they pretend, they pretended to be German brother and sister orphans who made a band like about like the white stripes. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to make a show that it's a play like in the guise of a music show. And so our band started because me and Chris were going to build a show that it was like, lady inmates in a jail and you know because chris was the only dude he would be the prison guard that was sneaking us out like so he was sneaking us out to do gigs and so we were going to develop this show where the band was like you know we're just these inmates that are playing our set and we hadn't figured out the story (laughs) and then we realized we just wanted to be a band we didn't want to make a play so i was going to say i've seen some of your your live videos and i and i I didn't get the impression necessarily that you were we're acting anything out, but it looks like that was just no, kind of like not, the. No, only the first couple of shows in like in in like the at the end of 2015, we were per- performing in like jumpsuits. I yes, and I, yeah, that was some that was there, and there's some interesting video effects too that I've noticed in some of your videos. Now you said you guys were actually like bags packed, ready to go on tour when this whole pandemic thing happened. Um, how many cities? You know, how were you guys? Uh, how far were you guys going? And uh, who were you know who, yeah. who were you playing with? 
Yeah, we we um we met this indie this '90s like cult band, a cult favorite band, Built to Spill, like who a lot of a lot of uh, feel like they're really well known and like, among college dudes, like college dudes from 20 years ago, <laughs> college dudes from now, um, fronted by this guy Doug Marsh, who lives in Idaho, and we went to this music festival in Idaho and met them. But yeah, we've we've been opening for them on tours for a couple of years now. And we were going to meet them. We were going to play a couple shows in New Mexico and then, like, haul ass to, to Seattle. And so we were going to play up and down the West Coast, like, three times this year. Um, from, like, Seattle to Portland, you know, through California, back on home. And right. we were going to do that a couple times. And where do you guys record? We've... um. We've recorded our first thing here in Albuquerque with this guy, Lee, who's, who does a really great job. But uh, this guy, Toshi, out in L.A., um, Toshi Kasai, and he plays guitar with, like, uh, the Melvins and Big Business and stuff. And, yeah, he's great. Um, it, and he's it, affordable for us. <laughs> affordable for you. And it looks to me, based on your, your library I've seen on, on, um, on Apple Apple Music looks like you got a library of maybe a dozen, a dozen or so tracks that you have. Yeah, and we're about to put out a full length album. So okay. We, yeah, we have a single coming out. I don't know when this airs, but on, like the day before inauguration day, we got a single coming out, and then a whole album coming out in March. And we've been sitting on that, you know, right. for a long time. So, well, I mean, we'll just to take an opportunity. Where where are people going to be able to find it? Oh, any um, Apple, Google, iTunes, Spotify, all that. Okay. All the all the digital platforms, or you know, I, we have a website, prismbitch dot com, and the, for the first time, we're pressing a vinyl. Oh wow! Talk about things really coming exciting. full circle. Talk about things coming full circle, and and you're you're not quite as old as I am, but I know you are old enough to remember actually going to a record store and like flipping through, maybe not vinyl, but flipping through CDs and. I just think kids these days, that's my wife and I were just talking. I think that's the one experience that um, us old old folks had that that um, that I wish our kids uh, would have an opportunity to do. And it, it looks like I'll vinyl. I'll do you one better, man, renting videos. Yeah, yeah. That was a, <laughs> we, we see a lot of memes um, going to, you know, with me even after moving out here to New Mexico when I was still single on a Friday night, you know, I didn't have to go to work till 11 p.m. and heading over to Hollywood video to get something. And, and that disappointment of seeing the box without the tape behind it was something yeah, pretty, like, uh, the, like, like the, whatever you want to watch. And there's like seven copies and none of the tapes are there. Oh man. That was heartbreaking. Absolutely. Yeah. Heartbreaking. But it was, I, I mean, I feel like, yeah, everything's so easy. It's so easy to take stuff for granted. Like we have thousands of things we could watch at our fingertips and we're just like, I don't know what to do. Oh, but it was, there's something so cool about getting your ass up walking to the video store, even if you just stayed home on a Friday night and watched videos, it made it like an event, you know, to go pick a movie, walk around, bring it home. It was just so much more satisfying. Yeah. Well, the world gets easier, but you lose something in the process. Um, Lauren, uh, I want to talk to you about what I, and I, maybe I misspoke when I, when I introduced you, when I said that you are definitely most known, maybe you are most known for a little bit. I think people oh, from totally. people from New Mexico <laughs> And and I and I'm gonna guess, you know, I was listening to uh another pod. Joe Rogan had uh Mike Judge on not too long ago. 
And I know something that he's, you know, I'm familiar with Mike Judge. He created Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, oh, he's, he, my, my friend Nelson calls him the great philosopher of our time. The great philosopher of our time. <laughs> but I know that he, you know, the one of the downsides to having a lot of success with a character that you create is you kind of run into, you know, people always wanting to do, you know, they say, hey, can you do Butthead? Can you do Beavis? Can you do Lynette? But um, I, I guess, the, of course, the upside of this, you have, you, you've developed something that people want. And you develop something yeah. that people want to see and hear and consume. Now, you first came up with the character Lynette when you were doing a uh, – it was some sort of project that had to do with uh, people interviewing for a job, right? Yeah, yeah, Blackout. My mom found this um, – she found this video contest on uh, – because we would make little digital shorts. And she was like, hey, I found this contest. Was like the winner gets 500 bucks. And it's uh, make a like a sketch, a digital sketch about like the worst job interview scenario. And so Blackout was like, yeah, let's do that because we are all pretty comedic. And um, and so we we like improvised the video. We basically like had one of us playing the guy interviewing everybody. And then everybody else came in with like a character and just improvised their answers to the, you know, he asked everybody the same questions. And, um, yeah, and that was the first time I ever did anything with the Lynette character. And I would just, I don't know, I just thought at the time she was way more of, like, a chola in that video than she, <laughs> like, ended up being because she's just kind of a regular New Mexican chick. Um, but what I was interested in is because I've seen so many, you know, people that look like Lynette in my life that people write them off like they're, like, they don't have wit, you know? Yeah. And I was like, I want to make this Chola character come into the interview and she might be like, you know, rough around the edges because she's just really blunt with him and answers his questions maybe too honestly, but she's also giving the best answers. <laughs> and, um, and that's like something that I love about, you know, that Lynette character is I think that's why people like her because she's kind of just silly, but also like, you know, kind of awkward but she says things that are like kind of real and <laughs> or what we're really thinking and and Lynette um, got the and job so I, yeah I was like hey guys I'm gonna come in with this character can she get the job and they're like yeah 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 and so that was the first Lynette video we did well and and the thing about you know we all know what the kind of the theme of my podcast is we're looking at people who are doing things different or don't kind of kind of fit in and um, or, or trailblazers or people who do a mid kind of a mid career switch or people who end up somewhere, you know, through means you wouldn't expect. And I do a, a lot of times get in, I, Oh, this would be a fun person to interview or that would be a fun person to interview. And then I have to think to myself, well, how do they fit into the kind of mold of the podcast? And when I think of Lynette, I think Lynette's actually the reverse. She's like the unsquare peg. And the, the thing about Lynette is that if you're from New Mexico it doesn't matter what background you're from, what your income level is, your education level, where you know where you live, what you do for a living. We all know a Lynette. Everybody, every single person knows Lynette. And as I say this, I know the exact you know some of the exact people I'm thinking of. And while I doubt very seriously there was any one person you were thinking yeah, of, yeah, she's that, definitely an amalgamation of of people and things I've seen and heard. But. Is is there, I mean, if you had to think of like one or two people, and of course I don't want you to say names, are there one or two people who probably, you know, if you were going to say, you know, this person really is Lynette or that person? Oh, 
man, yeah, it's really too many to break apart. I mean, one of the people, my friend, my friend's boyfriend, I just like, you know, he's been, you know, locked up a couple times and I mean, in his past and, you know, he's, he's got a, like a rough background, but he's so smart and loves. And I just remember he told me this story one time about learning how to play Dungeons and Dragons in jail. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, like that, you know, the, like when people see someone that looks a certain way, you think, oh, they can't, they don't like guitar, you know, and Cholos love the Smiths, you know, like you think like, you know, just because someone has a, and mostly it's people with a colloquial accent, right? Like not like, not just our New Mexico accent, but if it's like a hillbilly accent or like, you know, a Midwestern accent, people with a colloquial accent, people think they're like not smart or something. Well, and, and the, 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 one of the neatest things about Lynetta, she's a white Chola. She's not even Latina and she, you know, no, but... and I'm not. And, 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 and that's the other thing is that like so many people and like it, in New Mexico, it's an accent, you know, it's definitely based on, you know, Chicano culture and influence because that's where that accent comes from. But, but it's yeah. it's universal. It's so universally New Mexico. It doesn't much what really matter what your racial or ethnic or even or socioeconomic or, or what your background is. I mean, it, Lynette really is that universal. And I know that um, there was a time a couple of years ago where some guy uh, on Twitter was doing a series of tweets about you know shit my dad would say, and that was the inspiration uh, for you uh, doing the two part series that's uh, been you know probably has. God knows how many millions of hits on YouTube, uh, shit Burkano say. Um, yeah, I think, well, me and my boyfriend were really into the shit my dad says tweets. And then we didn't even know about the whole, like, I think after that, I think, you know, and YouTube historians might be able to tell us, but like, um, but yeah, there was all those memes that like shit girls say, shit Italian moms say blew up on the internet. And then one of the people that was our professor at UNM of a lot of the blackout people was like, you guys got to do this video about Albuquerque or New Mexico but before someone else does. And you did it. How long did it take to, uh, w- was there a break between uh, version or, you know, part one and part two? Was part two kind of something, uh, an afterthought or... Um... Yeah, we, we, we made part one, you know, we had, we, before Shit Burkenio say, you know, we would make sketches that we thought were funny and they would get like, you know, like 2000 views in a year because our moms and our friends would right. share them. But kind, like, kind of like the people that download viral. my podcast. And then this, so we did Shit Burkenio say, we like did it just like any other video, you know, we kind of planned it and we knew sort of what we were doing and where we were going to shoot. And then we did it in like two hours, blah, 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 done. And then it blew up. And so we were like, okay, let's do another one. Cause people were like, you forgot this, you forgot this. You right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do everything. Well, I actually so we thought, just, I actually, I, I still to this day think part two is funnier. Uh, I like part two a lot better. But I'm I. There are some places where I'm thinking to myself, how much is how much of that is ad libbed, or, or is any of it? About half and half. Like like uh the 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 first shit Burkenio say video blackout put a thing on Facebook that was like, you know, give us your New Mexicanisms, and then you know there were things that I just knew or that like the people that were there shooting it, it was like me, Chris, and Lila, and I can't remember if Shannon or Barney was there too, but like. 
you know, we'd be sitting in one place and I'm saying all the things. I'm like, you guys got anything else? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, say this. So it is very, like, a lot of it is just sort of whatever we occurs to us. It, it sounds, it seems to me if there was one one clip that I had to pick to say that definitely sounds like it was ad libs when you, and I'm laughing as I say it, you're picking stuff out of the closet and you say, ooh, la, la, that's French for e. That's actually not my really? friend was at the no my friend was at the grocery store um, or like in Walgreens or you know in a checkout line by some tabloids yeah and there was some some like New Mexican chicks ahead of her in line you know and she herself is a New Mexican chick too but like these chicks had more of a much like more of an accent. And one of the tabloids, you know, like said like, ooh, la, la, or something like that. And my friend heard this girl go, ooh, la, la, what's that? And the other one goes, that's like French for E. <laughs> so like, that's something that my friend heard that like, I didn't make up. Like, oh, my God. Well, I'm sh- I've, I've, she there- was right. That's that's exactly what it is. There's got to be a director's cut, and if I if I could give you an idea, I would love to see like whatever the outtakes. You can do an outtake. I don't know if that's the same as a director's cut, but if there if you could do an outtake video for that, that is that to me is the most amazing. And of course, you can't, um, you know, not being from Albuquerque, it doesn't mean as much to me, or you not not having ever lived there. But uh, you can't do a video like that without mentioning, you know, you know your your Marty Chavez part about you know he's like always the mayor. Um, how did you get him to do, you did that video, Lynette goes to the UNM basketball game. Well, I think the shit for Kenya video had blown up at the same time. He, I don't know what he was running for, but he was running for something. He was like, not the mayor anymore. Surprise. And, um, and he, I think he was running for Congress. God, I feel ignorant, not remembering, but he was campaigning for something. So I think his campaign was like really interested in yes like we would love to be you know on something (laughs) so we're like okay like you know i can't remember if we reached out to them or if they reached out to us well either way i mean it's obviously mutually beneficial and i you know i know that totally you're the the ways of of trying to reach uh yeah i did an interview last week where people are reaching their audience through you know through different means and i'm sure that a politician would be able to reach an audience and a demographic through, you know, uh, a, a Lynette video that he may not otherwise, you know, get to. But, um, you know, one of the things that being somebody who doesn't have a creative bone in his body, um, I find so amazing is that when I'm looking at the stuff you guys did uh, advertising the state fair is when Lynette goes on the slingshot and they've got that camera that like that's part of the apparatus or whatever that you know videos the people going on the ride is that when mm-hmm. w- when she's giving her reaction of like screaming and laughing and all the stuff all the different you know things you go through when you're on a scary ride like that is that you completely stay in character well the the director was like bitch don't you drop character <laughs> <laughs> cuz i was like i'd always wanted to go on the slingshot every time i went to the state fair but like wasn't going to shell out 40 bucks to do it. Yeah. You know, so that, that man doing those state fair commercials, one of the perks was like, it was like being a kid and I would just be like, I want to play this game. And they're like, get some petty cash. Let's film her doing it. Like that was a real, how many times did you have to do that? How many, was it one? one. Really? One. Did you guys? And so we put like GoPros in it. I don't think it's the camera that the ride has. Cause they might have like one that shoots stills to sell, 
but it, we just like taped a GoPro on and like had a GoPro on me and uh yeah and then someone was filming on the ground and then the director was actually riding with me wow that's i mean it's amazing guys were able to do that in one take of course it's a lot cheaper being able to do that i think two yeah. two of my favorite um Lynette videos are um when Lynette goes to the day spa I'm I'm wondering how much about there are certain parts of that where where I'm I'm wondering if that's part of the script or you're going you're going ad lib when they're wrapping you up or something and you say you feel like date uh, Dick Cheney coming out of his alien shell or whatever something like that. A lot of a lot of things that people yeah like uh, when we write a script you can't see what my hands are doing like quote quote marks a script like for Lynette stuff it's just bullet points. You know, right. we're like, okay, now we're going to film because I can't memorize lines. I'm really bad at it. Like, I, I like to act, but I was really frustrated. A lot of directors and people and teachers were like, girl, learn your lines. I'm like, it's hard. Um, so, yeah, we just make up the lines. <laughs> well, have you, and, uh, have you done any, any stand-up or improv? I've done improv. I've not done stand-up. Uh, well, maybe not to lie. My, this guy in Albuquerque, Rusty Rutherford, who's like, really, man, he should really get a lot of credit for, um, uh, what do you call it, like really helping out there be a scene for people to learn and right. get into it. Yeah. Like, he he ran this continuous open mic for a couple of years, and, and he's kind of kept doing it. And now there are some all over the place hosted by different people. But it was like he was – he was hosting an open mic where everybody just had to try five minutes and it was just, it was at like a hookah bar. So, you know, like if you've ever been to a hookah bar, which I don't think you have, cause you're not in between the ages of 19 and 21. Of course. And you're old enough to smoke, but not old enough to go to bars. But like in the lulls, you can just hear people like, <laughs> like the bubble sucking sound. Right. <laughs> like of the but yeah, so I guess I did, to like let me try this out five minute set yeah. but that was just in front of my friend so i don't know that counts well did you um you know the the other one i really like is when lynette goes to the races where did you guys film that that was at the state fair racetrack okay i wasn't aware because the only the only racetracks i you know obviously we have one down at sunland park here in the southern part of the state and then there's Rudoso downs I, I actually wasn't aware that there was anything there. And that one guy, you went up, the, the guy with the muscle shirt and the cowboy hat and the long oh hair. Oh, my God. Wasn't he? I was like, please and, be, please say yes. Please say you'll be in our video. <laughs> oh, and so he he really wasn't. That was somebody you kind of, it was done on the fly. Yeah. And he looks, what's so funny is not having spent a bunch of time up north, he looks like, he looks about as Santa Fe as, you know, as can be without being a a, a caricature, you know? Yeah, I don't know where he was from, because like Santa Fe's got another racetrack up there, but I don't think it's been working running. So maybe they do all have to come down here. Yeah, but, well, I don't want to be too cliche, but can, could I get you maybe just to bust into some Lynette? You know, for people who have not heard Lynette, as a good way to promote your your work that we can see on your Facebook page and on YouTube. Sure. Why don't you ask me a question and I'll answer? Well, you know Lynette. what? What's funny is I um. I, I I do remember seeing an interview uh, with you when somebody asked you, um, "What does Lynette do when she? What does she want to be when she grows up?" So, Lynette, what do you want to do when you when you grow up and when you when you graduate from school? Well, I mean, I like to think that I'm a kid at heart, you know. So I'm not like, you know, I'll be a kid until I'm 93, right? But um, I want to go. 
uh, write a mystery novel about a lady who, uh, like a like a detective lady. Um, and so I want to like get like follow a PI around maybe for a little while to get some like you know R and D for the book. Okay, and I'm I'm actually thinking you could do a, a a TV show. You had talked about making this into a television show, right? Yeah, but like you know, I want to make sure I work with like a good producer. You know, um, you know, like maybe uh, someone someone from HBO, not like the CW, because then you know they're gonna edit it and you can't cuss or nothing. Yeah, well, we you Lynette, I, I don't I don't know that I've heard. I think Lynette cusses, but you know when I when I the you you talk about this idea of of kind of being a a, a mystery solver and a a bit of a Nancy Drew. I'm thinking uh, making that into a television show, and you want to be on HBO. My guess is that it's kind of like it, and it would be really in keeping with who you are, Lynette. Is to almost you know if you watch The Office and they do, I don't know if it's called an aside because they don't actually say anything, but when they look at the camera and the camera like pans in and out. And you do like you do the Lynette Yeah, you wink. do like a gym where Jim like looks at the camera like, "Are you kidding me?" Like that, like and, the gym. And you look. do a, a Lynette wink. Yeah. You'll do a Lynette wink. That's my trade. I guess that's my trademark. You know, like to wink or whatever. Well, I mean, I have a little bit of an experience with this. So if you need some technical consulting on uh, how to solve crimes, uh, I, I know a guy, and and you can always reach out to me for help. You got it, dude. All right. Hey, who's Edwin? Huh? When when you did the shout out on uh, for the angels on your pillow, ninety two point three. I best. just made that up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, yeah, Edwin. I'm sorry, Edwin is um. Well, <clears throat> he was my boyfriend at the time, but that ain't happening no more. That ain't happening no more. Did he get locked up or something? I always imagined he was locked up when you were doing the shout out. You know, you have a good imagination, sir. <laughs> Maybe I'm stereotyping too much. <laughs> well, like I think that's what all the angels on your pillows are. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think you lead You're us like, out. Baby, stay alive. Like, baby, stay up. Like <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's stay up. That's a good one. You know? That, that's a good one. Hey, um, you know, we gotta wrap things up. Lauren, uh how can we watch your videos? How can we listen to your music? Uh you shamelessly plug away. Oh, right. I have my own YouTube channel. If you search Lauren Poole, it'll be there. I was my dumb face smiling. It's some Lynette stuff. It's some, you know, links to the band stuff. For the band, all things Prism Bitch, you could go to prismbitch.com. And, uh, you know, I would just like to say thank you for having me on here to, like, I really feel as a New Mexican, like the North and the South are not, bonded as they you're you're this is a mission of diplomacy let's bring the two sides together let's be one new mexico (laughs) i'm all about that one new mexico and now a word from our sponsor have you experienced pain in your lower extremities even your hips or lower back after standing or walking your feet may not fit in your shoes or on the ground properly soul man foot insoles with 30 years experience making people's feet feel more comfortable can help. Henry Soulman Veloz is the official insole provider for UTEP Athletics and has made custom insoles for my athletic, casual, dress shoes, and work boots for 15 years now. You can find him on Facebook at Soulman Custom Foot Insoles or you can call him at 915-241-2153. That is S-O-L-E-M-A-N Custom Foot Insole on Facebook and call him. 
915-241-2153. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has been Lauren Poole. And I, and I, I want to add, uh, because you're an obviously a, a, an extremely easy interview, but uh, when I spoke to you on the phone, just to kind of get to know you a little bit a couple weeks ago, we must have talked for about 30 minutes. And I swear to God, within 30 seconds, it's like, I've known her for 10 years. We're best friends. Like, you were so easy to talk to. You're so outgoing. You're an extrovert like I am. Uh, you've made this interview so unbelievably easy. And Oh, man, and- I hope I wasn't too stiff and talking like I'm all important or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, you know, we can try, we could try to fill, you know, a, a whole podcast, a whole episode of just Lynette, but uh, I think that would be a hell of a lot more pressure on me than it would be on you. So, uh, I'm so glad to have you on here. Good luck in everything you're doing. And, um, please visit Southern New Mexico when prison bitch gets back on tour. I can't wait. That's awesome. Lauren Poole has been our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see you next week with a brand new episode of the Square Peg Podcast, which dropped every Tuesday uh, late in the morning, early in the afternoon. We'll see you guys. Proudly produced by LasCrucesToday.com and Bravo Mike Communications.